1: Rainmaker FM.
0: Greetings and welcome back to part two of this special edition of the Writer Files called The Writer's Brain with guest host neuroscientist Michael Gribko. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, and this week we dig back into the inextricable link between productivity and creativity And the catch-22 that so many writers face as a result this all began when michael and i started a conversation about why we need to rethink our definition of productivity as busyness the cult of productivity and multitasking seem to take over our lives it's easy to forget that the origins of the word productivity come from the latin productivitas translation creative power creativity a topic michael and i have discussed at length is the beating heart of change, progress, and innovation, but our work-life scales seem to be bending dangerously toward more busy work, distraction, inefficiency, and overall dissatisfaction. Truly scaling creativity requires productivity, so a balance has to be struck between the two. Writing's a great example of this push and pull in the human brain. Luckily, research scientist Michael Gribko returned to the podcast to help me find some answers from the perspective of neuroscience. In part two of this file, Michael and I discussed why professional writers, musicians, and athletes all share similar brain activity, how adrenaline, mind-wandering, dreams, and the default mode network affect productivity and creativity, Einstein's theory of combinatory play for greater productivity, why your brain's ability to filter out irrelevant information so important to creativity, and tips for anyone drowning in data but starved for wisdom. If you missed the first half of this show, you can find it in the archives at writerfiles.fm, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you tune in, and in the show notes. Stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education, so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Yeah, that's really interesting. That not to digress here, but it did remind me of the uh, that article that we pointed to very early on in our conversations in uh, the writer's brain on creativity. We had uh, I had pointed to you at this uh, New York Times article. Uh, this is your brain on writing, which I'll link to again. That stated that a novelist scrawling away in a notebook in seclusion may not seem to have much in common with an NBA player doing a reverse layup. But if you could look inside their heads, you might see something, some striking similarities. And so, you know, it was talking about how neuroscientists had made this correlation and that just to, to quote the article again, the inner workings of the professionally trained writers um, the scientists argued that uh, they showed similarities to people who are skilled at other complex actions like music or sports. Right. And I think one of the interesting things about jazz per se or um, sports is, is the years it takes for mastery. Yes. And obviously writing is quite similar to that. But I think I think um, these things are cl- clearly, clearly intertwined and jazz does require both you know you're, right. you're spending years learning scales right you're, you're right. spending years learning the standards um whereas in sports you're spending years pra- you know practicing the basketball right. shots right. Um, learning the rules and clearly um,
1: but every game is different every right? game so is different there, every that's game. the creativity you're looking at a different defense how am i gonna that's right get the but pass the ball to the open player. Every
0: jazz solo has a a level of improvisation that is natural and creative in the moment. It's almost never the same.
1: And the prefrontal cortex is one of the areas that will be important across all these genres, right? Uh, This isn't the only area, but if you think about what it's doing, you know, selecting which knowledge base is appropriate for a specific task and then also assessing if that was appropriate... The outcome was appropriate or what we expected, so all these different, you know, basketball player, musician, writer, we all need to do this. Yeah. Scientist, yeah. So I kind of want to move on and talk about another aspect of creativity and productivity, and another area of the brain, another neurotransmitter that maybe or definitely is important that we should talk about. And this is norepinephrine, also known as nor noradrenaline. Should sound familiar to a lot of people. Adrenaline, and this is released. From a group of neurons residing in the locus cerelius. Kind of a small area of the brain, but highly divergent. These projections go pretty much all over the central nervous system. And adrenaline obviously is very important. This is the neurotransmitter that plays a huge role in our sleep-wake cycles. You know, there's really plenty of studies showing the importance in wakefulness, alertness, and performing attentive tasks. And you know, probably doesn't come as a surprise to anyone. We've all kind of experienced this. We get drowsy and we make more mistakes. So kind of interesting note here too also is adrenaline is also large increases in adrenaline happen uh, when we're fearful and, or get startled. So that's part of our stress response. So it kind of has these different phases, you know, very low levels for sleeping. Then we see this increase in activity. And these neurons, kind of this tonic firing phase, that's our wakefulness and attentiveness, and then you move on to this stress response where kind of everything gets diverted to dealing with this immediate threat, mm-hmm. uh, deciding what action to take there.
0: So there's kind of like good stress and bad stress. It can
1: be motivational stress and and, mm-hmm. and then the fearful stress that can be
0: overwhelming. Yes.
1: So. I was sort of thinking about this sleep-wake cycle, and we know norepinephrine and wakefulness has a large impact on us being productive and being able to replicate something over and over. But is this needed for creativity, like just raw creativity? Yeah, so that led me to think about our sleep states. So if noradrenaline is really low, this is associated with sleep, as it is when we sleep, what happens to our creative process and what are, what are these dreams, right? What's what's a dream? Mm-hmm. What's happening there? Sure. Um, and people have studied this and here comes the prefrontal cortex again and people have looked at the prefrontal cortex uh, and in different sleep states. So this one part of the prefrontal cortex, which we talked about before, the medial prefrontal, is part of a group of um, areas of the brain that are termed the default mode network, as we talked about a little bit. So, this is kind of an interesting story. So, this is an area of the brain that shows an increase in activity, or these are group of areas of the brain, uh, when we are at rest or not engaged in a specific task. And activity has also also been seen in these areas when individu- individuals are sort of in moments of daydreaming or mind wandering. Hmm. Area of the default mode n- network was kind of discovered somewhat fortuitously while individuals were having... MRI scans done. At certain points in the research, the subject, subjects were asked to take a break from the task and sort of, you know, just close their eyes, relax, and try not to think about it, you know, take a rest. And researchers kept on seeing these areas of the brain start showing more activity. Huh. And that's well, how they, def- they call this the default mode network. Now they also see certain areas of the default mode network active during sleep. However, one study showed that although there remained activity in the default mode network, the brain regions became kind of uncoupled. So, the activity in these areas weren't related to one another. These these areas stopped kind of communicating with one another or some of them. The study is decoupling of the brain's default mode network during sleep. So, the medial prefrontal cortex was one of the areas they found to become specifically decoupled from the rest of the default mode network during sleep. Hmm. Also other studies looking at sleep found that the deactivation of the dorsal lateral prefrontal cortex during sleep. So this modulation and attenuation of activity in the medial in the prefrontal cortex may help explain why our dreams are so surreal. You know, we're kind of altering our self-awareness and taking away directed thought. So dreaming maybe might represent this creative creativity in the absence of productivity. So we're hmm. not really concerned about what knowledge we're accessing or how. So it's kind of, you know, a little hand wavy, Mm -hmm. but yeah, something interesting I was thinking about. That's
0: really cool. So I do wonder, you know, when Einstein talked about the importance of combinatory play in his process, you know, part of it was, it was really important for him to disconnect from the work because it was very, you know, obviously very uh, energy intensive for his brain to be doing that kind of theoretical those theoretical studies, but he, it was important for him to take breaks to just play some music yeah. or um, take a long walk or, or right, right. Um, do something completely unrelated. And again, that kind of points at you know, from the base level of the creative process, to kind of that incubation phase where you're unplugging from the, the focus of that productivity piece.
1: Yep. Yeah. And we talked about this when we, I think, when we talked about creativity, that episode of. Yeah. How important sleep is in the replay and this is an important time for for um memory consolidation, sort of. So we replay these events but probably in a detached manner. You know, hmm. we're not getting that instant feedback of performing a task. So we've removed that part. And Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, studies have shown this is very important. Taking these breaks while we're learning um really enhances our our cognitive abilities.
0: Yeah. Well, of course, we've talked about that in the past, and I think we did talk about that in the writer's block episode. Right. And uh, I think we're talking about some of the same things here, but this is a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah, we haven't really talked about dreaming yet. That's a hard one to get at. But it's just something that stuck out to me that the
0: genius, you know. It's an interesting connection. Right. Absolutely.
1: Another thing I wanted to touch on in this is a study I ran across that really jumped out to me. Um, And this was just a purely psychological study. Um, There's no brain scans, no looking at neuronal activity. The name of the study is Decreased Latent Inhibition Is Associated with Increased Creative Achievement in High-Functioning Individuals. Hmm. So this is just a study where they took a bunch of, um, I think they were Harvard students who had a history of being very creative and measured their latent inhibition. So latent inhibition is sort of the ability to screen out irrelevant information from our decision-making process. So basically, once we learn about something, we spend less time exploring or learning about a similar topic or event. This is really important for our day-to-day lives. Um, We don't waste a lot of time learning about something we already know. Um, To try to put this in context, once you learn how to drive a car, if you go into try to drive a different model car, you don't have to learn it all over again. A lot of things, you know, you know, you see a steering wheel. Okay, it's a little different looking. I still know how to use it. You don't have sure. to go through exploring it over and over
0: again. We assume that there's a gas pedal and a brake. and Right. And, yeah. you know, as long as you don't go from, you know. Manual to. Yeah, or driving a station. Prius to a. Semi, yeah. You know. Sure, sure. But, you know, I mean, to to even make it a simpler um, kind of analogy, it would be like a child learning how a ball bounces because physics, you know, yeah, works the same. And then mo- they assume most balls are going to kind of do right, a right. similar thing when you, right. you know, bounce them.
1: So latent inhibition is obviously very important. It saves us time. And individuals with high latent inhibition are, you know, we sort of think of as being very sharp, quick on their feet, decision makers, and people with low LI will spend more time exploring familiar objects or events and low LI traditionally low LI being latent inhibition traditionally has been associated with learning disabilities, with things like schizophrenia. So it has this negative connotation. So this study really jumped out to me because now they're saying, hold on. Latent inhibition could be good for creativity, which sort of makes sense, right? This means individuals are not so dismissive. And in the right context, not just dismissing something, maybe exploring it and finding alternative ways to fit it into a theory or problem solve is kind of intrinsic to creativity, right? hmm You know, really taking in your environment and not just accepting what you already know about it or assuming you already know everything hmm. about it. Yeah. So, th- yeah, so I think this is an important part to creativity is this comes to that, gets to that like open-mindedness, mm-hmm. not being dismissive. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought about this a little more and there are studies in, in animals and with latent inhibition as well. And I found uh, one study saying latent inhibition is disrupted by nucleus nucleus human shell lesions, but is abnormally persistent following entire nucleus of human lesions. So, the neural site controlling the expression and disruption of the stimulus pre-exposure effect. Mm -hmm. Sorry, long title. (laughs) But this stuck out to me. Um, So, the the area of the brain they're talking about, the nucleus of humans, is part of our reward pathway. Dopamine is released in this area when we're rewarded. When this area was disrupted activity here, so they kind of take away that reward feature, this affected latent ambition. So animals were quicker to just accept what they already knew and didn't explore our options. Hmm. So this, I think, gets to the creative process and the importance in reward in creativity. This is why we spend time exploring, why, we go, why we're attracted to novelty. There is this reward mechanism in our brain that keeps us going, right? Learning is difficult. Learning takes effort. So why do we, what keeps us going? Why are we striving, putting all this effort into doing something that there isn't an immediate reward? It's probably an area like the nucleus of humans where we're expecting a reward later on. Hmm. So we kind of keep on having to get this reward reinforcement saying, yes, keep on pouring this effort in. There'll be a payoff. And when hmm. that's disrupted, we resort back to this very, I don't want to say instinctual, but just go for the immediate answer,
0: the immediate, immediate result. Interesting, interesting. To kind of tie that into the discussion, the debate of kind of the balance of creativity and productivity, there's something related there or something important about that latent inhibition that could be maybe at least from a creative creativity standpoint, derailed by like busy work or Absolutely. derailed by, um, constant multitasking notification disruption of, um, workflow, you know, cause, cause when we're at a state in our society, when that's expected, what it's like a constant barrage of just like almost what Harari called just irrelevant information, yeah. we're, we're surrounded by so much relevant information that really has no bearing on on you know maybe achieving some sort of creative nadir <laughs> there's and no it's
1: very instantaneous right we get sure. these instant yeah rewards
0: so I don't know what I'm trying to say here but I, I have a feeling that somehow it's connected to starting to feel a sense of overwhelm burnout or you know just kind of overall dissatisfaction with maybe you know finding a way Work life balance that offers some reward to us, yeah, you know? yeah,
1: yeah. This makes sense when you get in these very productive, multitasking environments, you get more impatient in a way, right? So, your brain is going to need kind of more instantaneous reinforcement. This comes in the form of dopamine, usually, yeah. So, you're going to be your brain to work function or to function may be needing this constant reward. So, when you're productive, you know. So every day, every few hours, you're getting feedback of "Okay, I'm doing a good job." Whereas these big creative processes, it takes a lot more patience.
0: Mm-hmm. So it requires f- getting into a flow state yep. over a sustained right. period. I mean,
1: imagine not writing a novel. You're talking about months, years,
0: with no feedback,
1: right? With no no reward, no tangible reward. So you need these these mechanisms in place to keep you going.
0: That's right. And yeah, it's interesting this, this interplay. So some of that obviously for writers is intrinsic. Yeah. Hard to quantify again. Yeah. That's the iceberg yeah, right. analogy, you know, like 90% of, of that creative process is something we never see or experience because it's something only the writer goes through. What we see is the 10% of the, the result. Right. Right. Which is the, the finished novel. Right. All the iterations. The edited yeah. novel with the pretty cover on it. Yep. Pretty cover. <laughs> <laughs> Are we done here? <laughs> I, don't know. I think so. Concluding remarks. So, yeah. So, so how do we, how do we wrap this up for listeners, writers, especially who, you know, I think the, I like the, uh, the idea that's been, um, uttered so often recently by pundits is, you know, we're drowning in data. We're starved for wisdom. And, you know, wisdom is really a, is a, an interplay of creativity and productivity, Mm -hmm. you know, innate knowledge and the striving for something bigger.
1: Wisdom, I think is you know, a lot, a large knowledge base, but also applying it appropriately. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I think we're coming up on that age as things get more and more automated where people skills and creativity are going to be more and more important in developing those skills. So I think that, again, I'm going to harp on my point here is, is learn, learn, learn. We, you know, this is get out there, experience the world, as you were saying, and um learn, learn how to code, learn how to write, learn how to play a music and musical instrument, languages. Oh. Yeah,
0: I mean, a couple of quotes, you know, that I'll point out again, coming, just coming back to that famous Albert Einstein quote, imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world and, and stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. Clearly, you know, he's talking about creativity and so much of right. what he did involved creativity, but he's all, he was also one of the most important, uh, scientific figures in history. But, uh, to put a modern spin on it, I guess my question was, and you, you, you touched on it, will automation, deep learning, AI, um, infotech, biotech, all these things that are making these huge strides now, are they going to, are they going to put us all in a place where we're, we're just having to constantly multitask and, and, you know, we're kind of derailing our innate wisdom because we're we're not accessing it we're just constantly distracted we're constantly um seeking a dopamine hit so it's like you know social it's it's how it's how social media kind of trains us to constantly be be
1: you know we're constantly getting those little i don't want to use the word addicted but our brains are trying to function so we need this constant feedback this constant feedback that we're doing the right thing yeah um and constant reward
0: So offloading, you know, offloading kind of, uh, some productivity to automation is inevitable, but are we also going to get priced out of creativity because we're constantly having to manage that? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah.
1: What, what the future holds.
0: But I think you're right. I think people skills will always be people, you know, people skills. And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, what we, what we're learning is that, you know, these, these, uh, robots and AI specifically Artificial intelligence can't replicate what is so innate to human being, which is, you know, finding novelty and uh, surprising ideas right. and, and critical thinking. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Artificial intelligence is not going to be able to solve crimes or write a novel um, that is at least, uh, not you know, that is at least entertaining right, right. and surprising and, and familiar yet new just something we all crave
1: the the strength of ai is going to be taking over a lot of the productivity
0: um which is great which means it'll leave more time for us to be creative and And and,
1: right and that's the the issue our society has to deal with right now is that a lot of these productive tasks are going to be taken over by ai so what are all these people going to do yeah. That have product tests. That includes scientists. Sure, um, there's there's so much just sitting at a lab bench doing vigilant tasks, and that's going to get automated, which is a good thing. But people have to get ready now and and realize that if they aren't learning, if they don't have more skills that are applicable to creativity, um, we're going to have a problem. They will have problems finding jobs, and also, as you alluded to, uh, people skills. These are very important, learning how to get along in the workplace. And this is also very important to work on very large problems. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something I think about with neuroscience a lot because of the structure of the scientific community. It's very hierarchical, and you generally have sort of the head of a lab, head of a department directing a lot of the research. And it's this, as I talked about, it ends up being a very reductionist linear process. I think automation is going to change a lot of that. And this is a good example of getting along where the brain is so complex that I think we're reaching the limits of what we can figure out about it under this structure, under this paradigm. So this is going to require... A diverse group of people working together as a team—you know—the brain is just too complex to figure out. one individual working alone, so it's going to require a group of people with diverse bra- backgrounds working together, which requires people skills. Yeah, um, knowing how to get along, and so that's an important aspect too that I think will come come out in the future.
0: Yeah absolutely. And and it will be required for us to probably as a species to continue living on this planet (laughs) healthfully, but uh, coming full circle back to kind of the balance of productivity and creativity, I think for writers to kind of maintain that healthy balance uh, because that is so uh, part and parcel to what we do. You know, I mean, I think you, you touched on some of the solutions for kind of recalibrating the scales and, you know, I touched on a couple too, but I think again, you said, you know, keep learning. Um, we always talk about reading a lot, and I think, I think, I, I don't know if reading, you know, news notifications or you know, news online, right, right, right. your news is necessarily that we get now, terribly right. healthy. But I do think picking up a book on a subject that you might not normally, I don't know, something that sparks right. your interest but it's a little right. bit outside of your wheelhouse. Um, to kind of spark some creative ideas. Absolutely, travel is one I think uh, to to kind of find some novelty. Or or if you can't travel to a you know a foreign country, for instance, or even to another state. Austin Kleon talks a lot about becoming a. a I know a lot of artists do, but becoming a tourist in your own yeah hometown, you know, hometown, um, going to see some things that you normally wouldn't yep. go and do um explore I, some of the different cultures and yeah you know. one of my favorite things to do here in denver is to get on the light rail as if i'm like a a because uh, i don't commute to work i work from home just jump on the light rail ride down to union station and just wander around and there's you know there's people from all over the world right. there because there's there's trains that go out to this you know to the denver international airport um and people come in and out of there and you can see all kinds of you know, people from all different walks of life. You know, there's obviously like a homeless contingent that kind of hangs out there. But there's hundreds of people coming in and out of Union Station all the time. They're great Wi-Fi. And you can sit there and kind of observe. You can stick headphones on and, and kind of zone out and do some writing or some work. But it's vaguely disorienting. Right, there's right. something about that that sparks creativity for me.
1: All right. That yeah.
0: novelty. Uh, and that's my hometown. That's, you know, right, 20 right. minutes away if I wanted to drive down there. Right. Some other ideas, I think, uh, you know, setting better boundaries. Obviously, you know, if you're working in an open uh, concept work area, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's rude to do noise canceling headphones or no. Yeah. Um, you're there off, to work, so. walling off your <laughs> personal are, space.
1: Right? They're they're expecting you to get things done, so I think you have the right to yeah, but create like, the
0: environment. You need to do that. Being, I think being protective of your of your boundaries mm. you know um blocking out time yeah. to do mind wandering or daydreaming or take a walk go to an art museum yeah.
1: and here's a good uh good example of you know what right terms you know people skills it's if you're in an open workspace uh, communicating that to yeah. your
0: coworkers, like, yeah. hey, hey,
1: I'm not being rude. This is just my. Sure. This is what I need to do my job. Avoid
0: so. being passive aggressive yes, if exactly. you can, because it's yeah. easy to do that. I yeah. know I've been there. Yeah. Um. It's easy to kind of be passive aggressive about coworkers that you don't like or who are who have or, no or, personal boundaries. Right. Boundaries, <laughs>
1: or just communicating what you need and and in your workspace and sure why you're doing what you're doing, why you're behaving how you are. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for writers, you know, sometimes it can we can get so focused on the productivity piece. It's important to remember that, you know, you do need you do need to uh take some time away from the computer. Yeah. And yeah. And that can help with yeah. your productivity. I, I mean exercise obviously helps, but I think, you know, just but, sitting and yeah. reading a book under a tree.
1: Yeah. Some taking active, a nap, active rest sometimes, but yeah, as we talked about, there's important things that happen in, in the central nervous system that are enhance our productivity and creativity if we step away from them. So, yeah. But, but yeah, there is that pressure that to stay on task and to keep on muscle through something almost when yeah. exactly what you need to do is the opposite to be productive and step away. So it's sure. important
0: to realize that and know. When you've reached that point. Betterness versus busyness. We talk about that or we've talked about that in the past. I love it, man. Um, I think, uh, I think we've reached the conclusion. What do you think? think I think
1: so. Well, We have. (laughs) Lenny, you're going to have a lot of work to do editing all this. (laughs) I am. This would be like a
0: four-part series. Yeah. But anyway, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This has been really enlightening. Oh, you're welcome.
1: This was, uh, well, it was enlightening for me too. Um, I always enjoy these topics because it allows me to think about what I do in a different light and and sort of gives it relevance too. It's like, it's putting, putting neuroscience in perspective of hey, what are writers thinking about yeah see a lot of times we get neuroscientists get stuck in their labs and and we lose focus that this has a purpose we start looking at our little proteins and neurons and we forget that these things have functions and and meaning in the world so it grounds me it brings me back and
0: I love it yeah. I love it we'll come back and uh, we'll do another one of these on a mm-hmm. another topic relevant to writing but uh Again, thank you for stopping by and we look forward to chatting with you again very soon.
1: All right, you're welcome. I enjoyed being here.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to this special edition of The Writer Files. For more episodes of the show or to simply leave us a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm and please subscribe to the show to help other writers find us. You can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. See you out there.